We are back. Yes, 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 yes. We are back. The Chiefs Zone Podcast back in your life. Farzim Vazugan and Zach Stegna here with you after almost about a week off. It's been a while since we've last talked to you guys. The Chiefs did snap a losing streak, but it came at a high price with Patrick Mahomes suffering an injury. Uh, and since then, we have learned a lot. The MRI came out. It was, as expected, three weeks out. But... Now it's gotten a little weird because all sorts of reports have been coming out and now there's even talks that Patrick Mahomes might play. He may not. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Patrick Mahomes practicing with the Kansas City Chiefs on Wednesday. Also going to talk about some Chiefs news, some transactions taking place, and of course we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the Packers on Sunday Night Football. And we'll do our closing segments. We're going to do them all. We're going to go... Around the NFL, out of bounds, we'll throw our penalty flags and we'll give our hot takes to wrap up the podcast, plus your text messages as well here on this episode. Facebook.com slash Farzimisugin, that is my Facebook page. Give it a like, follow me on Facebook. We will do a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game this Sunday during Sunday Night Football. Join us for that. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, Zach at ZStegenga, and text the podcast 913-808-2119 and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. Real quickly, before we move on with the show, uh, we do have DJ Evans. He's going to be joining us on next week's podcast. Might have another guest as well. We might have two guests for next week's episode. No guests on this episode for this week, but next week we'll have DJ Evans on the podcast and a second guest as well. Not Nothing for sure yet, but be on the lookout for that uh that'll be for next thursday's episode uh, before that of course obviously we're doing this breakdown episode on this episode uh and after sunday's game it'll be up sometime overnight since it's a late game of course uh early monday morning you can expect the recap podcast to be out i'll be doing that solo and again it'll be out sometime in the we out early hours on monday morning all right a lot to get into here, and here to talk to me about all of that, all the way in New York City, is Zach Segna. Zach, welcome back into the show. How have you been? I've been good, man. You know, life is good out here in the Big Apple. Have you done anything exciting since the last time we've talked to you here on the podcast? Uh, no, which is kind of sad to say. But, I mean, you know, just kind of working a lot. So, uh, yeah, we'll work on having more exciting stories for next time, for sure. What is there to do? This is probably a silly question, but I've never been to New York City, so forgive me. What is there to do on a Friday, Saturday night in New York City? Like, what is a good place? Oh, man. I mean, look, I suppose there's a lot to do, but what is, like, a good place to go to on a Friday or Saturday? I mean, really, the answer to that question entirely depends. I mean, like, seriously, this city has something for absolutely everyone. Uh, and that's I, I say that with absolutely no hint of irony whatsoever in my voice. There is something everyone could find to do in this city. Like there's, yeah, it, it's just kind of a matter of what you want to find. You'll find it in this city without a doubt. What have you enjoyed doing the most since you've since you've been there? I mean, to be honest, the thing that I enjoy doing most on the weekends, just because I am so you know, still relatively new here. Uh, I mean, since it's a fairly walkable city, uh, and of course we also have the subway and stuff too. I genuinely enjoy just getting out and exploring a bunch of different neighborhoods because, you know, every you know, couple of blocks is like a whole different world. It's kind of crazy how that works out here. But I genuinely enjoy that aspect of it and just, you know, trying to find new places, which I guess is easy when all of the places are new places. 
but you, you get my point. <laughs> just genuinely you know, getting out and exploring is a lot of fun to do. I, I've mentioned this a few times. I've, I've even made references to it. The Luke Thomas Show. Luke Thomas, one of my favorite radio hosts on Sirius XM, uh, does a lot of MMA, but talks about a lot of other things as well on his radio show. He and his producer, they'll go back and forth and they'll talk about because the show is the the headquarters are in New York City. That's where the producers are, and they'll talk about New York City and certain neighborhoods, as you just alluded to. Like like the, all the listeners are familiar with it, and I have no idea what the hell they talk about sometimes. Sometime on this podcast, we've got to do like a like an educational quiz for me. Like you've got to come up with a set of questions, and I've I've got to try my best to. To answer these, so we got to do that sometime on the podcast, like a New York City educational preview for me when I hopefully go there that. one day. No, that sounds like a good plan. I think it's you know maybe uh, I don't know. Do we have either New York team on our uh, schedule this year? I don't know that we do. Uh no, we do not. Well, Next not year so we will for, for sure. All right, well, yeah, uh, we'll figure it out sometime. Maybe maybe no it'll doubt. be an off season thing, but for sure, yeah, we'll uh, we'll look into that, but. We've got a lot to talk about here on this episode. Let's just start with the obvious. It has to do with Patrick Mahomes. Here's what I was going to start off talking about. So Friday afternoon, I was out and about just enjoying life. I was off Friday, you know, which is convenient because it was right after Thursday Night Football. So just kind of hung out, went out, saw a movie, uh, saw the new Zombieland movie, which is pretty oh, good. How was it? Way, if you have. Uh, I liked it. it was, I, to be honest, I thought it was better than the first one. So, Oh, wow. All right. Uh, then I... I mean, I've definitely been wanting to see it, but yeah, we'll talk yeah, about that. Definitely, like definitely check it out if you haven't. But uh, you know, I, I kept my phone on me quite a bit because I was—I knew the news was going to come out at some point. And they said anywhere. I've heard so many different reports. Anywhere from three to eight weeks, Patrick Mahomes will be out. Now, fast forward to Monday, and Andy Reid's talking about how Patrick Mahomes is making progress. And they won't rule him out for Sunday night. And I'm thinking, okay, that's just BS. Now, fast forward to Wednesday, yesterday, and during Andy Reid's press conference, he says that Patrick Mahomes will practice. He'll be involved in some of the uh, individual drills, some of the uh, team drills, but obviously no contact drill. By the way, kind of odd. Uh, KCTV5's Danny Wilniak said that the Chiefs did not allow the media to film Mahomes while he was throwing during the media portion of practice, uh, which is very, very interesting. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I mean, it's not like, I mean, what are they going to learn? But I, whatever. I mean, he's either That's, throwing normal or he's not, which yeah, is certainly I, I mean, valuable intel. But, you know, if it, it could certainly pierce the smoke screen here if it were to be, you know, just kind of lollygagging and throwing. Like, you know, if he's not looking like actual Mahomes... Well, then all of a sudden, you know, if this is a smokescreen just to throw the Packers off the scent, well, then that's, you know, pretty easily kiboshed. Well, I, I do want to get into the Packers smokescreen thing in a bit, but let's just start with the fact that Mahomes was, I mean, first we heard it's going to be three to four weeks. Uh, maybe they hold him off until after the bye week. Then various reports said as long as eight weeks and could come back as early as three weeks. And now he's suddenly possibly going to be available for Sunday night. Let me just start here, okay? He's not playing on Sunday. He's just not. He's got a knee injury and an ankle injury. Like, you've got to put bubble wrap around this guy because 
And by the way, someone tweeted me this, and I I mentioned this before. You don't want this to be an RG3 situation where Shanahan forced him to basically play through that injury in that playoff game a few years ago, and RG3 was really no more, unfortunately. Uh, now it turned into what could have been with him. I'm not saying Andy Reid would do that, but I can understand why some people are thinking of that potential scenario because they're giving this idea to everyone that he could play. Listen, it is all marketing right now. That's what this is. The Kansas City Chiefs have done a tremendous job this offseason using Patrick Mahomes as a marketing tool. Anything that Patrick Mahomes touches or his name is on it, his face is on it, if it's got his fingerprint on it, it sells. I'm talking about Hunt's ketchup. How many people do you truly think that have never had Hunt's ketchup before bought it just because of Mahomes? How many people do you think who have never owned a pair of Oakleys before now have one because of Patrick Mahomes? That's how marketing works. He's on the cover of cereal boxes, and we all know how crazy people went over that. Madden, I mean, look, people are going to buy Madden anyway, but people in Kansas City crazy about it even more because he's on the cover of it. By the way, I mean, Madden Curse... crazy about it now because Madden Curse, but you know. Yeah, well, I mean, Madden Curse. I, I don't believe in that, but whatever. There, I said it. Uh, here's my thing. The Chiefs have really focused on trying to use Mahomes as a marketing tool. In the NFL, all these primetime games they have tried to schedule, Mahomes is a big reason for that. A big reason they scheduled this Packers-Chiefs game for Sunday Night Football was, uh, given Aaron Rodgers' age, this might be the only time we would see Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers in a regular season game, and now that may not even be a thing this Sunday night. So here's the thing. I think the Chiefs, by the way, I don't know if you remember, Zach, for the first Sunday night game against the Colts, they had the light-up arrowhead. Did you know about this? No. Okay, so this, honestly, it didn't seem like it worked as planned because a lot of people could not get it to work on their phones. In fact, more it seemed like more people were f- trying to film the whole thing than actually participate, but it's basically one of those things where they want you to download the app and you basically hold your phone out and everyone's phone will light up differently and it'll go in tune with the music that's being played at the stadium. A lot of sports teams, especially in college, are doing this, which is pretty cool. Uh, but it's just a technology thing where some people cannot get it to work or their Wi-Fi is slower than their neighbors. So it may not work for everyone. They're trying to do it again. And I think they want to see if they can have a big turnout for this. Uh, look, you've already sold your tickets. A lot of tickets have been on sale. The tickets you see on places like StubHub or SeatGeek, wherever, those are people who are trying to resell their tickets. So the Chiefs have already made their money. Now they want to, of course, make their money from the parking and all of that. Concessions, all that good stuff. So... I think this is honestly a smokescreen to say, hey, look, Mahomes might play this Sunday, wink, wink. Uh, So come to the game, you know, pay for our parking, pay for concessions, pay for all this so he can come out. And you you mentioned this, Zach, the whole smokescreen to get the Packers to strategize. Okay, look, the Packers aren't dumb. You know, no NFL team is, except for the Raiders or maybe the Falcons. But at the end of the day, yeah, and the Dolphins, yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Packers know that this is not the first time a team has thrown a smokescreen before. Uh, the Packers will prepare for both Patrick Mahomes and Matt Moore. It's not going to be anything complicated. It may take a little bit more time, but it's nothing. It's not rocket science. So 
the Packers, I mean, the, let me, um, what I'm trying to say is the game is not going to be won and lost because of a smokescreen for Patrick Mahomes' practice session, so to say. The, the reason you're seeing the smokescreen right now, in my opinion, it is heavily marketing purposes. They're trying to get people to attend because, and, I, and DJ Evans, who I mentioned, he's going to be on the podcast next week. He's a season ticket holder from Chicago. He already told me he's not making the trip this time because of Mahomes. And the Chiefs want to try to change that for Sunday night. I mean, I get that but by the same token. I mean, you just said he was a season ticket holder. Chiefs already got his money. But but what about the whole, you know, they don't have his money for the parking you know, you can't. I mean, you can't get someone's money if they're not paying for the overpriced beer inside as well. That, and look, here's the thing: Is Mahomes going to play? Probably not. But at the end of the day, it's a Sunday night game. People already bought their tickets. People are still going to go. So at the end of the day, I still think they're going to get their money that they want with parking and beer and whatnot and nachos, whatever. Um, I, I do think it's a smokescreen for marketing purposes, though. Part of me, though, does wonder if it's a smokescreen for you know, football purposes instead, simply because you know, if you could even put like the fabric of a doubt in the mind of the Patriots, not the Patriots, the Packers, uh, that you know, Mahomes might play, so you might need to prepare you know, to stop Mahomes, which is obviously significantly more difficult than stopping Matt Moore. No disrespect to Matt Moore, but let's be real, Mahomes is Mahomes. Like, there's only a handful of quarterbacks who can do what he does. Um, and we happen to be playing one on Sunday night, but I think that yeah, it very well may have some implications on that side. Just to you know, just to plant that little seed of doubt in the back of the minds of Packers fans, uh, and well, more importantly, the coaches and players, just in case that they might have to deal with Mahomes instead. I don't know. Just well, the, my two cents. The other thing is Matt Moore. The first question, because Andy Reid, the stuff that he said was kind of weird about how Patrick Mahomes will practice. Uh, Matt Moore came out in the um, – he came out to the press conference after Patrick Mahomes, and the first question was, have you been told if you will play Sunday – or start Sunday, rather? And he said, I have not been told that, which is kind of weird. So I think this is a heavily – I think it's a big marketing ploy. Hey, Matt, tell everyone that we have not told you anything. You know, let's let's keep this – by the way, someone tweeted me this, and I didn't really think of this. Think of ratings as well. How many people do you think have lost interest? I'm, I'm talking about people who have no rooting interest in Sunday night's game. Uh, so, for example, a... Um, It'd be uh, the equivalent of if you know, it was Deshaun Watson versus Aaron Rodgers and the Chiefs weren't involved. Like, Would you, as a Chiefs fan, tune in if Deshaun Watson got hurt? Exactly. That's, that, yeah, I, I, that's a great way of putting it. I think I think maybe the NFL has even gotten in on this and said, "Hey, look, you know, we know you don't care about the ratings. You're focused on your team, but for us, would you please just say this just for the for a ratings sake?" I don't know. I'm just speculating here because this is really weird. Um, nobody look. Mahomes has been battling through this ankle sprain of his, and I don't know. I, I can't imagine what this is like. And now he's got this knee injury, which you've always got to be very cautious of. And I know he was able to walk on his own and all, but still it's a knee injury that you should never take lightly. It's so weird to just see him practice already less than a week after the injury happened and Matt Moore is at the podium saying, I haven't been told if I'm going to start or not. Uh, I mean, the whole Eric Berry day-to-day thing was weird. 
This is even weirder, if you ask me. I, I couldn't agree more on that front. Just because, I mean, with Eric Berry, you know, most of us weren't, I mean, we really weren't sure when he was going to come back. There was no, you know, real prognosis for his. It was just kind of a how is he feeling on any given day was actually the prognosis there. But with this, I mean, I think we all under, or well, all expected Mahomes to not be playing for the next couple of weeks. And frankly, I mean, while I'm still pretty confident that it's a smokescreen, there's, I mean, the the way that it's been consistently reported here, it's like, well, okay, maybe there's something to this. Now, let me go on the record as saying I think it's irresponsible if they push him to play on Sunday. That seems stupid to me. Like that would Mahomes, be crazy. You know, with, especially with the injury concerns here, both ankle and knee. I, I am all on the train of you know kind of handling this situation with kid gloves uh, and s- sitting him out longer than you know. I mean, like, if he was able to go you know, maybe call it 75 to 80%, I still want him on the bench for that. I don't want Mahomes back until he's 100% healthy because I don't want him to be at risk of longer-term injury. It's that simple. With a quarterback like Mahomes, especially as young as he is, we shouldn't be thinking about, you know, just the very near term here. Like, we've got a 10-year window at least with this kid that we can't afford to mess up because we screwed it up early. You know, a lot of people are saying that this is a smokescreen to throw off the Packers and all, which again, I, I mean, no one's dumb here. The Chiefs know that they're not dumb. It, it's the NFL. These are pro head coaches in the NFL. But look, if you want to push that narrative, I will not doubt the idea. And Zach, tell me if I'm crazy or if you disagree with me. I will not uh, rule out the idea that the Chiefs might actually make Mahomes active for this week. Even though they activated, uh, uh, they promoted Kyle, uh, Kyle Shermer to the 53-man roster, and I know Chad Henney's supposed to come back, uh, come off of IR. I don't know, part of me wonders if they're going to keep Mahomes active, and maybe he's out there for a, maybe the being out there for one snap just to hand off the ball might be a stretch, but I could at least maybe see the Chiefs keeping him active. Do you see that as a possibility, or is that going too far? I mean, at this point, that wouldn't shock me anymore if they just listed him as, you know, questionable or whatever the, you know, he the not out but not playing. Game time those. decision. Yeah, exactly right. Like, if they do, that that wouldn't shock me for a minute if they pulled a stunt like that. Uh, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's the most responsible thing to do, given that you've only got 53 spots, and, you know, that's another position. Like, you know, to take... To take up one of those spots for the smokescreen purpose as opposed to someone who could actually contribute in the game doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but, I mean, I'm I'm not the coach for a reason here, I guess, so that wouldn't shock me for a minute if we pulled a stunt like that, though. Yeah, look, and you said we're not, we're not coaches, we're not doctors. Uh, I know a lot of people want to act like Twitter insiders and all, but uh, I think it's very... And by the way, from the footage I did see online of Mahomes, it does not look like he is capable at all of playing on Sunday. I think he's just trying to get loose, get warmed up. So everyone just relax. It's a marketing ploy, I think. So that, it, there, there's that. Real quickly, Matt Moore, uh, we'll talk about him in the game breakdown later on, but it's worth noting uh, in his career, 30 starts, 51 total games. He just surpassed 1,000 pass attempts in his career on Thursday Night Football has a 59.4 completion percentage, just surpassed 7,000 yards as well, and he's got 46 touchdowns and 36 picks in his career, has an 81.2 quarterback rating 
and he's got a pair of rushing touchdowns, 24 fumbles. He fumbled 14 times in 2011 uh, when he started 12 games. So he had more fumbles than games started that year, which is a bit of a concern. That's the uh, biggest, uh, that's the most amount of games he's played in a single season. So be aware of that. Uh, And this is interesting. I don't know if maybe there was a misunderstanding or if Matt Moore misspoke, but James Palmer said he spoke to Matt Moore after last Thursday night's game. And Matt Moore told him that he had zero reps coming into Thursday night football. I'm yeah. guessing he he meant zero reps from OTAs in training camp because he didn't he was not with the Chiefs at the time. Um, unless there's some sort of misunderstanding there, I think that might be the issue. If Matt Moore is saying, "Hey, I had zero reps in practice all year long," what what were you doing in practice? I, I there has to be some sort of misunderstanding there. I mean, you're probably right on that, though. By the same token, you know, he's the backup quarterback to Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, before Chad Henney got hurt, he was a high school coach in California somewhere, wherever his hometown yeah, he was. is. <laughs> and so, you know, it would stand to reason that he might have just been holding a clipboard, getting ready for his future coaching career. Because uh, yep. realistically, that's what's next for him. But with Mahomes' ankle injury, I mean, isn't that something you still want to be ready for? You would think, but. I mean, by the same token, I mean, this was guy. This was guy that we literally signed off the street. So, you know, if they were just kind of looking at it as like a, yeah, well, you know, you, we might need you if something were to go real bad. But so far, we don't think it's going to go too bad. So just come here, you know, get a head start on your coaching career for the future. Because, I mean, that is definitely something Andy's been good at. Uh, but, yeah, you would think that there'd be at least some level of reps to be had. It seems irresponsible to not to. So again, I, I think it's a maybe a misunderstanding from James Palmer's part. I don't know. Uh, look, just what I think I know what's going on, or we think we all know what's happening. Uh, we really don't. Uh, but nonetheless, real quickly, I want to hit some of these uh, quickly. Some Chiefs news. Wide receiver, punt returner, uh, DeAnthony Thomas. He has been released, as was defensive tackle Terrell McClain. The Chiefs did sign defensive tackle Mike Pennell, born in Topeka, Kansas, went to Arizona State University, but was kicked off the team because he whined on Twitter about being on the bench. And it's not like he said anything bad. He goes, quote, wow, glad we won, but warming the bench is a new feeling for me. They'll probably make me shut down my Twitter for keeping, for not keeping my mouth closed. Nobody else to talk to. So uh, apparently that was an issue. Uh, he was undrafted, uh, and transferred to CSU Pueblo and went undrafted in 2014, played for the Packers and the Jets, and in the preseason this year was with the New England Patriots. In his career, 102 tackles, one sack, and one forced fumble. The sack and forced fumble both came from the same game against the Cardinals, and I forgot what year that was, but uh, nonetheless, that's the only one he's had in his career. Kyle Shermer, more quarterback talk. Uh, He has been promoted from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. Chad Henney activated from IR as well. By the way, did you hear what his father, Kyle Schirmer, said when uh, the media asked him, Giants head coach, the media asked him what um, he thought of his son getting promoted to the 53-man roster? No, I missed that. He said, uh, at least we don't have to pay for his Uber services anymore. That's funny. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, I'm sure sure that quote's going around at least somewhere in New York. Uh, That's a funny bite to to play if you're... um, one of the New York radio hosts. But nonetheless, Kyle Shermer now on the 53-man roster. Had a very interesting preseason, so we'll see if he gets any playing time whatsoever. I doubt it, but you never know. Uh, they also signed defensive tackle Braxton Hoyt 
to the practice squad as well. Let me just ask this. Um, because outside of DeAnthony Thomas, there really isn't anything notable with a lot of these transactions. But I keep getting a lot of questions from people, Zach. And to be honest, my answer is I don't know. I'm not expecting it. I know we saw Jalen Ramsey go to uh, the Rams, who replaced Marcus Peters. They traded him to the Baltimore Ravens. And both of them made an impact in their first uh, in their first game. Uh, Marcus Peters got a pick six with the Ravens. And I understand you would not give up a lot to bring him back after giving him up for not as much. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, supposedly the Chiefs were offering the same thing, but the Jaguars did not want to send him to Kansas City. Uh, instead, he went over to the Rams and he forced a fumble right away. And a lot of people are wondering, are the Chiefs going to make a move? Is Brett Veach going to make a move at the trade deadline? And historically speaking, the Chiefs haven't been a team, I, not, not since 1997, I want to say. They have not really come away with a player right before the trade deadline. I don't really know if I'm expecting anything. They're not a very enticing team to want to trade with because even if you do get two first-round draft picks from the Chiefs, their draft picks are going to be very, very low. So they're not really a team that a team like the Cardinals with Patrick Peterson. Uh, they may not be as interested. So I'm throwing the question to you now. Do you think the Chiefs make a move by the trade deadline? I feel like we're going to do at least something just because I don't think Veach likes to sit still too much. Uh, and I still think that we've got, you know, I mean, there's enough holes on this roster that there'll be some opportunity to fill them. Uh, and so I bet we make some sort of move. Do we make a big splash like Patrick Peterson or something like it? Uh, that's a little harder to, uh, you know, that's a little harder for me to wrap my head around. Not that I wouldn't like to see it. Don't get me wrong. I definitely would. But yeah. I just don't see, yeah, I don't see Veach pulling the strings for something quite that big. Just, that's just my gut. Speaking of trades, and no, I agree with you. I mean, the whole Patrick Peterson thing, he's been rumored to come to Kansas City for more than a year now. And look, I'd like to think if it was going to happen by now, would have happened. But hey, if it does I mean, happen, just as you got just said. Of, you know, whatever suspension he was under. So it, it could certainly come sooner than later. But yeah, I'm with you. Kind yeah, of tired uh, of hearing about it until there's really something to say. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, just a couple of weeks left. Do we know exactly when the trade deadline is? I know it used to be next week, week six. Okay, next week. So uh, coming up very soon, uh, just uh, upon us, uh, the trade deadline. Speaking of trades, the Oakland Raiders traded cornerback Garyon Conley to the Texans, likely to replace former Chief Philip Gaines, who suffered a brutal injury over the weekend. Uh, Benjamin Albright, who was a guest on our podcast last week, he tweeted that the Raiders aren't done and they're still trying to make more moves before the trade deadline, which, again, kind of makes you wonder if Patrick Peterson could end up going there. Uh, there's been some speculation about that. Um, first of all, you're 3-3 three and three, and the Chiefs are 5-2. and two. Let's just say the Mahomes injury with his knee in his ankle, let's just say it ends up being worst case scenario and he ends up being sidelined longer than expected or maybe his his play slows him down more than we expect when he returns. This would be a great opportunity for the Raiders to strike and maybe take the division away. Look, I know we're Chiefs fans and we think this is great and all, but man, if you're the Raiders, why would you trade Conley away when maybe the door could be open in the AFC. We'll see what happens with Matt Moore on Sunday night and however long he ends up starting for the Chiefs, but the Raiders suddenly became sellers. And this John Gruden era, man, it makes absolutely no sense. And you mentioned to me before the podcast, they traded Conley to a team they're playing this Sunday. 
that's the part that really is just a head scratcher for me. It's just I don't understand that aspect of it at all. Because, um, I mean, you know, that's part of the reason that the uh, you know Rams wanted to make sure Ramsey went to the uh, to the NFC was because they didn't want to have to see him again. So why would you trade it to someone, or why would you trade a player to someone you're about to play quite literally later that week? It just doesn't make sense. But, I mean, that's the Raiders for you, so who can complain? Uh, at as least I just as a said, Chiefs fan. I mean, the John Gruden era has been really weird. I, I seriously thought the Raiders were going to be a competitive team. And look, obviously we hate the Raiders, but for the sake of sports fandom, I'd like I'd love to see the Raiders be very competitive because I think that would make an amazing rivalry, John Gruden versus Andy Reid for years to come. But I don't know if that's uh, going to be a thing anytime soon, um, at least not right now. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on real quickly before we get to our game breakdown. So this whole thing with the Patriots starting 7-0, and and I guess the media has been pretty crazy about that, given how they've won their games. They've been outscoring their, I don't have the number in front of me, but they're outscoring their opponents by a combined score of a lot to a little. I mean, we're, we're talking like, they have not allowed more than 14 points in a game this year, if I, if I have that correct. You do. Off the top of my head. So here's the thing. People are not wanting to give the Patriots credit because they're playing a weak schedule with the exception of one team, and that was the Buffalo Bills, who at the time when they played them were unbeaten. Let me just start here. Because in 2013, the Chiefs started 9-0, and they played against some really bad teams with bad quarterbacks. Case Keenum, Blaine Gabbert, Terrell Pryor, Jason Campbell, Jeff Toole. Do you remember Jeff Toole when the Chiefs went up against him, Zach? No. Yeah, with the Buffalo Bills... He threw up. He was about to help the Bills go up by, I think, fourteen, and instead he throws a pick six to Sean Smith to help tie the game up for Kansas City. I mean, those are the quarterbacks the Chiefs went up against. Now, and listen, to, oh, go ahead. Just to just to you know, kind of play devil's advocate on that. Is that exclusively who we played during that span, or did we have? I mean, by my count, that's what six quarterbacks that you mentioned, and that's well, some of the, the span Chiefs. Of, the Chiefs uh, went up against games. Mike Vick. They went up against Mike Vick that year, who they benched. They also went up against Tony Romo, but I can't remember if the Cowboys were good that year or not. The Eagles... Maybe that's at least they, one decent quarterback. The Eagles did go to the playoffs, but not because of Mike Vick. They switched to Nick Foles, and that helped them go. So they did play a lot of weak teams during that 9-0 and start. Fair. Though, I was just, you know, as I was doing some of the math on this, like I was actually having this conversation with one of my roommates uh, earlier in the week. Uh, just recognizing, like, all right, so who have the Patriots really played? And when you think about it, at least from a quarterback's perspective, I mean, they played Ben Roethlisberger in week one, but it was a broken Ben Roethlisberger that was a little bit of a shell of himself. But the other quarterbacks they've played since that since that game, Josh Rosen, who didn't break 100 yards, Luke Falk, uh, who is the third stringer for the Jets due to the fact that Darnold had Bono, you have Josh Allen, uh, and then for a brief and he saw of ghosts. Time, well, that's Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold saw ghosts. Oh, Sam Darnold. Week. Sorry, yeah, uh, I was I was getting there. Uh, but they also had Josh Allen of the Bills, uh, Colt McCoy from the Redskins, and Daniel Jones uh, for the Giants. But this is, of course, Daniel Jones with the Giants without Saquon Barkley or Evan Ingram. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mean to discredit any of what the Pats have done because they've done a tremendous job their defense is unbelievable uh the most absurd stat that i've seen now again part of this is i think due to the fact that they've played a bunch of really really bad quarterbacks and like you know the best quarterback that they've gone up against is 
you know, an aged Hall of Famer or Josh Allen. So make of that what you will. But an absurd stat for, of the of the Patriots so far: only on five point four percent of opponents' offensive drives have they allowed points. That's not touchdowns. That's points. Uh, the next closest in the league, like the <laughs> next best, is the 49ers, who have 16.7% of opposing offensive you know, possessions that ended in a score. So, you know, the Pats are three times as good as the next best. And that's, I mean, that's an absurd stat. Again, they went up against some really, really poor quarterback play. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find, uh, you know, a slate of poorer quarterback play. But this defense is legit at least based on everything that I've seen when I've watched them a handful of times here, like it is partly due to the defense's you know, credit as opposed to just the fact that they've been playing trash teams. Well, here's the thing. During that 9-0 start in 2013, the Chiefs were beating teams that they got beat up by the year before during their 2-14 and season, the last year with Romeo Cornell, the only year with Romeo Cornell, but that was you know the, the final year before Andy Reid and all. Um, before Andy Reid arrived, just to be clear. Here's my point. Chiefs fans were really upset during that year because during that 9-0 start, a lot of people didn't want to give him credit because of the schedule. Mark Schlereth, I think, even said they're the worst 9-0 team in NFL history. During 2010, KC started 3-0, got a bye week in week 4, and by week 5, going into week 5, they were the only undefeated team because all the other unbeaten teams lost in week 4, and the national media complained about how this is bad for the NFL, and KC fans hated that. In 2015, after the 1-5 and five start, the Chiefs had a really easy schedule after that, and they won 10 straight without Jamal Charles. And again, some still discredited the Chiefs because of their easy schedule. Even their playoff game was supposedly an easy win, even though they shut out the, the Texans on the road to snap that playoff yeah, drought. But it was against a third-string quarterback, so I get him. Well, I get where but, people are coming from there. L- l- listen, here's my point. As Chiefs fans, and I get we hate the Patriots. I do too. Zach does too. We all do. Even if you're a 49ers fan in the West Coast. I mean, we all hate the Patriots. But look, here's my point in all this. We keep saying Tom Brady's going to regress because he's getting older. And this year, the biggest supporting opinion was that he doesn't have Gronk. And that, you know, you know he doesn't have Antonio Brown now. He only had him for one game. But look. They're still going out there and beating up on people. And look, it's not like, yeah, sure, they've been outscoring their opponents by a lot, but it's not like there were not opportunities to beat them. The Buffalo Bills had plenty of chances, and they didn't do it. Brady played horrible in that game. Listen, at the end of the day, man, to me, if you go five weeks in and you're unbeaten, I I don't care who you're playing, unless you're playing college football teams, you're playing against other NFL teams. Going 5-0, 6-0, 7-0, it's never an easy thing to do. And I know we complain so much about the Patriots and, you know, the, the flight gate and spy gate and headset gate against the Steelers that one time. I mean, all these things we want to complain about and we want to keep relying on the fact that Brady will regress. It's not happening. And as you said, let me, let me ask you like this, Zach. Let me put it this way. The seven games they've played. Who, 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 in your opinion, is the second best team in the NFL right now? Would you, would you agree to the 49ers? Yeah. Okay, they're the only unbeaten team, so it's logical to say that. Would the 49ers be able to do exactly what the Patriots are doing in terms of score differential in those seven games? I mean, maybe they'd be a, maybe be a little bit worse, but, I mean, 
really, I think they'd be pretty close to it, to be honest with you. Their defense is just about as good, and uh, you know, I think that I think the score differential would be pretty similar, actually. I think the the thing that I guess you know, me personally, as Chiefs fans, we've seen these blown leads before, and it frustrates us. Do you watch Monday Night Football, by the way? This past week. Yeah, this past week between yeah, the Patriots course. and Jets. Okay, yeah, I, there was a Star I, I watched Wars commercial at halftime. Fars, come on! That that is the only reason I watched. And then once they played the trailer, which was awesome, by the way, I turned it off and said to hell with the game. <laughs> but I um, mean, because it was over by the end of the first half, because Darnold played horrendously. Well, here's the thing: even though he played terrible, it was twenty four zero in the second quarter. Bill Belichick's getting on his team like they're losing 24-0. Listen, this is a team that just does not let go of the pedal. I mean, they will continue to floor it even when they're winning big. And I listen, people might say, hey, you know, why run up the scoreboard? Listen, if you don't like when teams run up the scoreboard, stop them. And if they're not stopping them, get on your team about that, not the opposing team. We talked yeah. about this with a high school team recently. And so they listen, didn't run up the score or anything. I mean, realistically, yeah, they, they had were good up field position. Twenty-four nothing at half, and it was what thirty-three nothing final. Yeah, my point is, everyone's talking about how they. My point is, in that moment, it, people are going to twist this whole story and say, "Oh, Belichick's acting like it's a scoreless game, or they're losing twenty-four. No, he's doing it because he doesn't want to blow a lead because it's happened before in the NFL. This is why the Patriots don't blow as many leads. In fact, they come back from behind in many instances. Listen, here's my point, man. Seven straight, seven and oh, that I don't care who you're playing. That is a very difficult thing to do. Now, is that going to continue when they get to the meat of their schedule? Probably not. But you go seven and oh, man, you've got my respect. Uh, it's not easy to do that. I know the Patriots are a very hard organiza- organization to like, but seven and oh is seven and oh in my book. I hear you there, and I, I'm with you. I think that you know it is a balance between the two. Like, I, are they as good as everybody on the national media scale would have you believe? I don't think so. Or, well, I won't believe it until I've seen them do it against a really good team. But by the same token, you know, are they only seven and zero as a product of their schedule? Absolutely not. Uh, it's not like any of these games were particularly close, save for the one against the Bills that was, you know, sixteen to ten or something, and. The Bills absolutely should have won if they hadn't thrown like four interceptions in the game or something ridiculous. So I think they're not as great as people would have you believe, but they're not nearly as mediocre as others would say either. Like this is still a Patriots team that the Chiefs are going to have to uh, you know bring their A game to beat. Real quickly, before we get to our game breakdown, uh, Albert Breer excuse me, tweeted this. Uh, he said, Source says Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon expects to be medically cleared soon and that his knee injury is, quote, minor. I was told he ran 22 miles per hour on a treadmill during rehab session. Uh, and once he's cleared, he hopes to be released off of IR and signed with a new team. There was that report on Wednesday afternoon that he was placed on IR and was done for the year, but might not be the case exactly. So I pose that question to you. Given Sammy Watkins and right now his uncertainty with the Chiefs right now, would you be open to the possibility of Josh Gordon coming to Kansas City? Why not? I mean, more weapons for Mahomes to play with? Sure, sign me up. Like, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll never pass up an opportunity like that. I mean, it depends on the price. Like, if you were asking would I trade something for him, absolutely not. I, would, I just wouldn't. But, 
a free agent, you know, if you can get him at a bargain because he wants to win a title, sign me up. Game on. I don't know exactly why Josh Gordon just hasn't been able to get going. I mean, I know he's he's obviously been on a winning team. By the way, Mohamed Sanu, uh, who the uh, Patriots traded for, he went to bed Monday night with a 1-6 and record and then woke up 7-0. I mean, how good Pretty do you good have turnaround. to be? Yeah, qu- quite good. Uh, look, I'm open to it. Uh, as you uh, Listen, if the defense is not going to show any improvements, which I don't think they will, and look, I'm not going to gloat on one game against a really bad Broncos offense, even though we expected them to run all over the Chiefs defense, uh, they still have a lot to prove. And if the defense is not going to improve, hey, bolter the offense. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'd be open to it, but I don't expect that to be the case. Let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian at Farzine21 at ZStegna913-808-2119. Even though the podcast isn't live and we can't interact with you guys on a live basis, never too late to get in on the conversation. So please interact with us on social media and let us know your thoughts on anything we've discussed. And I know a lot of people will have a lot to say about this. The Chiefs and Packers game. Sunday night football. Second time this year the Chiefs are playing on Sunday night. Second game in a row. The Chiefs are on primetime football 10 days ago, or 10 days from uh, the day this game is played. Uh, They will have that Thursday night win under their belt, so they're hoping to make it two in a row. Weather for this game, mid to low 50s, partly cloudy, 7% chance of rain at kickoff according to weather.com. So, somewhat reasonable expectations uh, when it comes to the weather for late October. Referee Bill Vinovich. 11-year NFL referee. He has done a playoff game every year except for one season. Now it's his second year in the NFL. He officiated the Chiefs and Seahawks Sunday night football game in Week 16 and also the Chiefs and Bengals Sunday night football game in Week 7 last year. By the way, I don't know what it is, but when I look up these referees in their last games when they coached, or not coached, uh, refereed a Chiefs game, it's always like a pattern. It's always like they, they officiated these consecutive Sunday night games or something. And Bill Vinovich, the last few times he's officiated a Chiefs game, they've both been Sunday night games. So, uh, coincidence there. By the way, you know what other uh, primetime game he officiated? I do not. The Chiefs and Patriots 2017 stunner. Uh, oh. That was when Kareem Hunt went wild. Uh, and I, I, know, I note that more importantly because the Chiefs were penalized, I don't know how many times, but for 150 total penalty yards. That I do remember mm. off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, Bill Vinovich. Uh, hopefully that gives you an idea who he is. The Packers, as far as the betting odds go, they open as five-and-a-half-point favorites in most sportsbooks. Sport, Superbook USA had Casey as a three-point underdog, which i got to say that's somewhat generous, uh, given that they don't have Mahomes. So uh, that is the uh, betting line right there. As far as the announcers go, pretty obvious. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and on the field, Michelle Tafoya. Obviously, no NFL TV map to display for this one. As far as the injury report goes, uh, Martis Rankin, or Mark Martinus Rankin, pardon me, Sammy Watkins and Anthony Sherman were all full participants. And Sammy Watkins, we haven't seen in a while, of course. Patrick Mahomes dealing with a knee and ankle injury. He is limited, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, also limited, Eric Fisher practicing for the first time in a while. And as far as players who did not practice, Chris Jones, Andrew Wiley, Kendall Fuller, Tanel Passigno, Darren Lee, and Frank Clark. Uh, Frank Clark dealing with a neck injury after uh, coming off a big game. The biggest game he's at this year for the Chiefs. Uh, he did not practice 
on Wednesday. And I'll keep you guys updated on social media. As far as Green Bay's injury report goes, they've also got a really big list. Aaron Rodgers was limited with a knee injury. So both quarterbacks limited, both quarterbacks dealing with a knee injury. Jimmy Graham has an ankle injury limited as well. Another key player that we'll talk about, Marquise Valdez-Scantling, is dealing with a knee and an ankle injury, but it was a full participant. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can find any other players on their injury report that's worth noting. Devontae Adams did not practice dealing with a toe injury. And Brian Balaga, who's probably their best offensive lineman, not injury-related is, is what they are saying for him. He was limited in practice, as was Mercedes Lewis on Wednesday. And again, I'll keep you guys updated on social media as the week goes on. Head coach for the Green Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur, was a quarterback's coach for a lot of teams. Northern Michigan, Notre Dame, the Falcons, the Redskins, the Texans, was an offensive coordinator for the Rams in 2017 with the Titans last year, and that got him the head coaching job to replace Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Offensive coordinator for the Packers, Nathaniel Hackett, former OC at Syracuse, the Bills, the Jaguars, son of former College and NFL coach Paul Hackett, who was also an offensive coordinator for the Chiefs uh, from 93 to 97 under Marty Schottenheimer. In fact, did you know that uh, Paul Hackett was a big reason for Joe Montana coming to KC, Zach? I did not. Why was was that relevant? So he was, Paul Hackett was the quarterback's coach in San Francisco from 83 to 85, which is also where Montana played. So. Yeah, that was pretty. I did not know that either. So, kind of interesting what you what you look up when you when you do research on these things. So, some fun yeah, nuggets there. Great little fun fact. Yeah. So, uh, Paul Hackett, uh, a big reason for that, and his son Nathaniel Hackett will be visiting Arrowhead on Sunday night. As far as the Packers' offense goes, tenth in points per game, just outside of the top ten in total offense, eleventh in that category, and their eighth in passing, twentieth running the football, just under a hundred yards. Per game, everyone knows who Aaron Rodgers is. Just over 2,000 passing yards. That's fifth best in the NFL. Mahomes has the most right now in the NFL, but we are expecting that to go down after week eight. 13 touchdowns, two picks on the year. He's been sacked 12 times. He's got a 103.7 quarterback passer rating. Uh, this past Sunday against the Raiders, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of oh, that he game. He had himself a day. Yeah, 25 of 31 passing against the Raiders, and he had five touchdown passes, all two different pass catchers in that football game. 429 yards, too. Yeah, including the two running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And look, I've got to say, man, uh, I envy Packers fans. You went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And when did Favre join the Packers? I think he was drafted by the Falcons in 92 and then joined the Packers the year after that. Something along those lines. I know so from ninety, Falcons, though. from ninety three, through so you still have Rodgers right now in twenty nineteen. You've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and look, the Chiefs have been lucky too. They went from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes, and in Alex Smith's last year, he made the Pro Bowl. Patrick Mahomes' first year starting, he he made the Pro Bowl. But man, you've got two Hall of Fame quarterbacks right there. You just don't get luckier than that. No, you really don't. But I mean, I guess it's that. It's a testament to the fact that, you know, they did let Rodgers, you know, learn under Favre for a few years, much the same way the Chiefs did with Mahomes, and now you're starting to see more and more teams do that with their younger quarterbacks. So that could be part of it, but realistically, I think that, you know, to find two guys like that of, you know, such tremendous physical talent, ability to improvise, and really, you know, just uh, incredible quarterbacks, both of them, 
Um, you know, it must be nice to be a pack fan, man. Yeah, uh, very nice for sure. Uh, l- let's talk about the running backs because even though the Broncos did not succeed in this, more teams have. Uh, the Chiefs have allowed more than 180 total rushing yards in four different games this year, and even though Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, there's a good reason to believe that maybe they let Aaron Rodgers take a backseat given how bad Kansas City's rush defense has been this year for the most part. You look at Aaron Jones, he's got 399 yards, he's got eight touchdowns. The touchdowns, and that's just on the ground by the way, those eight touchdowns tie Dalvin Cook from Minnesota for most rushing TDs this year. He had 107 yards and four touchdowns in a game this year against the Dallas Cowboys. Also caught seven passes for 75 yards in the same game. Uh, But that is the last time he found a touchdown on the ground. Now, last week, as I mentioned, he did catch a touchdown pass, as did Jamal Williams. He's got 196 rushing yards this season. He has 16 catches as well, three of them in the end zone. And, uh, in fact, he's now caught a touchdown pass in two straight games. Jamal Williams, that is. Uh, Fun fact about Aaron Jones, by the way. He uh he obviously has the eight touchdowns on the ground. He also leads the team in catches with 27 for 196 yards. That's a very low yard per carry average, or excuse me, yard per catch average. Uh, but 27 catches. Uh, you would not think that Aaron Rodgers would throw a lot to a running back, but that's been the case on this Packers offense. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. If you had asked me who's you know the Pats' leading receiver in terms of catches, I would have given you Devontae Adams ten times out of ten on that. So to see that it's actually Aaron Jones is a bit of, bit of a shock there. Uh, and now I'm kicking myself for not drafting him in my PPR league. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny is the second the player with the second most receptions is Devontae Adams, but he doesn't lead the team in receiving yards. It's uh, Marquise Valdez-Cantling, and as we mentioned, he is on the uh, injury report for the Packers this week. Uh, he's got 21 catches on the year for 416 yards and a pair of touchdowns this season. Jimmy Graham... He's got 18 catches for 214 yards and three touchdowns. Those three touchdowns leads the team tying Jamal Williams. Uh, look, Jimmy Graham's kind of had a he's had a weird career. And I remember when you and I we had our radio show in Lawrence, Zach. We talked a lot about Jimmy Graham once. I remember uh, didn't get a thousand receiving yards in 2017, nor in 2014 when he was with Seattle and New Orleans. And the reason I bring up those two years, uh, 2017 and 2014. He's dominated. He still had double-digit touchdown catches in those years. The only years he's had 1,000 receiving yards was in 2011 and 2013. So, and by the way, in 2013 and 2011, uh, he had 16 touchdowns in 2013 and 11 in 2011. So, the only two years where he's had 1,000 yards, he has absolutely surpassed the double-digit number for receiving touchdowns. That's definitely a guy you can never... Uh, never Keep your eye off of if you're the Chiefs defense. Last year, the Chiefs did not do very well when it came to stopping tight ends. Kind of a surprise that Eric Ebron did not go uh, go off against them last year in that playoff game. But uh, the Chiefs, and I've, I've got to be honest, I haven't paid too close attention. And I think it's because of the rush defense. But I don't think the Chiefs have really allowed a tight end to have a big game against them this year. No, I mean, with the possible exception of you know, Mark Andrews had a couple of good ones in the... Uh game against the Ravens I mean really I think that's something we've done fairly well I think realistically it's a byproduct of the fact that you've got you know Dirty Dan Sorensen and Juan Thornhill mixing it up together to uh, bracket tight ends a little more effectively so you know out of those weapons that you mentioned you know Aaron Jones Devontae Adams uh, Valdez Scantling and Jimmy Graham I mean really I think that yeah I'd be scaredest of Jones their offensive line's really good too Brian Bulaga 
uh, former Iowa Hawkeye, a lot of Iowa fans, of course, in the Kansas City area, and I'm sure some are listening, uh, easily the best offensive lineman on this Green Bay football team, uh, left guard Elton Jenkins, the only rookie starter on this offense, one of three rookies on Green Bay's offense, and then left tack- tackle David Bakhtiari, uh, you know, I was going to say Frank Clark coming off a big game, maybe he had a chance to do well because Bakhtiari, a former Pro Bowler in 2016, not really having his best season in the NFL, so maybe that was an opportunity for Frank Clark to have a good back-to-back games, but uh, we'll see if he's going to be even available this week, but Fun fact about uh, Bakhtiari, by the way, donated more than 10,000 bowls of soup, teaming up with uh, Campbell, uh, donating to the new community shelter in Green Bay. 10,000 bowls of soup. That's pretty cool. Uh, Is there anything you want to say about this offensive line? I mean, they're perfectly solid. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not going to blow you away, but uh, both Balaga and uh, Bakhtiari are certainly more than capable of keeping edge rushers in front of them. So the Chiefs are going to have to be pretty creative when it comes to applying pressure. Uh, but then also, you know, while last week was certainly a step in the right direction, really need to see the uh, you know step forward in the run game continue as opposed to you know the possibility of it only being a one-game wonder, so to speak. Switching over to Green Bay's defense, Mike Pettin, the defensive coordinator, former high school head coach at two different schools from 1995 to 2001, and I did a little bit of research on this. I didn't look too much into it, but he had some national attention uh, coaching at the high school level. Uh, granted, social media and the internet weren't as big at the time, so I'm sure it would have been an even bigger deal if he was doing that in today's age. Uh, but that took him straight to the NFL. Didn't go to college uh, as a coach. Uh, went from coaching high school to straight to the NFL, which is very rare. Uh, to see that kind of transition, but nonetheless went to the Ravens, the Jets, and the Bills as a defensive assistant and was a defensive coordinator for the Jets and the Bills and became the head coach of the Cleveland Browns for two years. Didn't do very well, a 10-22 and record. Took a couple of years off and then returned to coaching last year as a defensive coordinator in Green Bay, one of the few coaches that Matt LaFleur retained for Green Bay's defense. And they've got a really good defense when it comes to not allowing points in the end zone, uh, 26th in total defense, 21st against the pass, and 24th against the run. Not really good there, but they're pretty good at not letting them light it up on the scoreboard. So they've got this bend, don't break style type of defense. And you look at some of the guys they've got up front. Blake Martinez leads the NFL on tackles with 76. He's got a sack and a forced fumble. He had 16 tackles against the Oakland Raiders, which is a season high for him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was not the only one having season highs in that game. Uh, by the way, fun fact about Blake Martinez. Two years in a row, 2017 and 2018, he had 144 tackles each. Very rare to see that exact number for a defender. Uh, He was second in 2018 and tied first in 2017. Uh, As far as other players from their front seven, outside linebacker Preston Smith, he's got seven sacks. That is tied fourth in the NFL. He's also got six and a half tackles for a loss, a pick, and a forced fumble. Zadarius Smith has got six sacks on the year. Kenny Clark, the only defensive lineman, for the Packers, who's got a sack this year. He's got one and a half sacks on the season for the Packers. So that is definitely a front seven that is going to challenge Kansas City's offensive line. Eric Fisher, if this is his first game back, you know, sometimes when you've been away for a while, it takes a while to kind of get your feet wet, get into a rhythm. So could be a challenge for Eric Fisher. You look at, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Irving, you know, how, how much will he play in this football game if Eric Fisher comes back? We'll see, but... Uh, you may still use him in this football game. Uh, 
Austin Ryder, he's been, by pro football focus standards, been a good pass blocker, but I haven't really noticed that a whole lot uh, with the the eye test. Just what I've seen. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that one right there. I'm I'm no family analyst, to say the least, but uh, I I think this front seven is going to give the Chiefs offensive line a hard time. And, you know, you're going up against Matt Moore, which kind of makes it more hard as well. 100%, 100%, and that's just because you know, Moore obviously doesn't move nearly as well. But realistically, the combination they've got of Preston and Zadarius Smith both, uh, it's a pretty solid pass rush combo. I mean, the, with their names being you know slightly less, you know, or I guess a little bit more under the radar compared to some of the you know, marquee pass rushers in the league, uh, they're very quietly very good at what they do. And I have a feeling they'll be able to make Moore fairly uncomfortable throughout the game. You look at some of the guys in their secondary, Darnell Savage, who was uh, a full participant with an ankle injury. He was questionable going into the Raiders game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's got uh, an interception. In fact, uh, some of their defensive backs, uh, Jair Alexander, Chondon Sullivan, and Adrian Amos, each have a pick this year. Amos also on the injury report, by the way. Uh, Kevin King, the quarterback for the Packers, that is a guy to keep an eye on. He's got three picks on the team, including one last week against the Raiders. No sacks against the Raiders, by the way. Uh, I know we mentioned how good they are up front. Didn't have a sack last week, which was a bit of a surprise. But they've got that dangerous duo that is bound to get a lot of sacks, I think, this week. Uh, seven different players have forced a fumble for the Packers as well. So this is certainly a defense that you know the Chiefs have got to be ready for on all fronts. They're not very good when it comes to just total yardage in general. So it kind of makes me wonder, is this a game where you let the rushing attack go wild? Because I know they haven't been very good this year for the Chiefs, but I think this is an opportunity to kind of maybe let them showcase what they can do. Absolutely. And I think with the fact that you've got Mahomes down, I mean, why wouldn't you want to establish the Maybe he's down, Zach. Maybe. Okay. Fair. (laughs) Yeah, we, we don't have it confirmed yet. Matt Moore doesn't know that he's starting yet. But realistically, yeah, I think... No, he's not going to play. Yeah, we, I mean, think and honestly, I personally hope uh, that that's the case. But I see no reason not to get the running game going. I mean, I don't think that, you know, we've got a slate of backs that's incapable of running the football effectively. Uh, I think that, you know, we just have to kind of scheme for it. And we've been so pass-centric. Uh, so far this year, which I would certainly be if I had Mahomes as well. Let's be real here. Uh, but, you know, it would be a good opportunity, I think, here to prove that we've got you know the opportunity to do more than one trick on offense. As far as special teams go, Sean Menega, uh, eight-year special teams coach, uh, worked with guys like Britton Colquitt, the brother of Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt, Billy Cundiff, who was briefly with the Chiefs, Phil Dawson, uh, also a defensive coordinator, by the way, at Fort Hay State University from 2005 to 2008, and also Hutch defensive coordinator from 98 to 2000 and played at the University of Missouri. So has got some local connections here. So a bit of a homecoming for Sean Meniga coming into Sunday Night Football. Uh, Mason Crosby, who's been with the Packers forever since 2007, 10 of 11 field goals, pardon me, and has made all 22 PATs. Longest kick this year from 48 yards, punter J.K. Scott. Second best punt average in the NFL. Third best net average in the NFL. So if the Packers do need to summon Scott on the field on fourth down, uh, you can definitely uh, expect him to have a good punt and come through for the Packers to pin the Chiefs as deep as possible. Uh, Return guys, as far as that goes, uh, wide receiver Darius Shepard. He's got nine kick returns, averaging 16.3 yards per return. 
Uh, also, uh, he and Trevor uh, Davis, they combined for five punt returns for minus eight yards. Obviously not good there. Tremont Smith, by the way, former Chiefs cornerback and kick returner. He's got three kick returns on the team, currently on the team's practice squad. And this is worth noting, uh, their cornerback, Tony Brown, he blocked a PAT against the Minnesota Vikings earlier this year. So that is the Packers' special teams. And by the way, very odd note, the Packers have played five of their first seven games at home, including three straight from weeks two through four. There's nine games left. Three are at home, so they're going to have a lot of road games. In fact, they have a lot of back-to-back road games to finish off the season. So I'm curious to see if that's going to play a role for the Packers as they're currently 6-1 and one on the season. Do I have that correct, 6-1? and one? Uh, It sounds right, yeah. Okay, uh, I'll double-check on that. But uh, look, I've gone back and forth with my score. Uh, what do you see the final score being in this football game? I think this is the kind of game that, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if if the Chiefs are able to actually get the run game going, because if so, I think it's going to be you know somewhere it's going to be a little tighter than anybody thinks, and I'd put it in the neighborhood of call it you know thirty one twenty four sort of range. Um, with I think the Pack still winning just because you know they have Aaron Rodgers and we don't at the moment. Um, you know we don't have Mahomes at least I assume we don't have Mahomes. Obviously, if he comes in, that's very different. Uh, but. Yeah, I think that's going to be yeah, somewhere in the 31-24 sort of range with the Packers taking it. Yeah, I've got a very similar score. I've got 31-20. to 20. I submitted my predictions on Arrowhead Addict earlier this week, which will be up on Thursday or Friday. I'm not exactly sure when, but uh, we do a an all-staff uh, weekly prediction, and uh, that's the score I gave them. So I'm going to stick with that 31-20. to 20. I think the Packers are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to Utilize that running game very well, and I'll have a, an article about that on Arrowhead Attic by the time this podcast is out, so check that out if you haven't. But uh, yeah, it's going to be, you know, by the way, this is my first time predicting a loss on a podcast since 2016. When I did that, I picked the Chiefs to lose to the Raiders. Everyone went off on me and called me a Raiders fan. I should move to Oakland, and so I don't know. I'm kind of scared to, uh, of, of the reactions for this podcast, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, I've got I mean, a 31 I pulled that stunt last week, and I got no hate for it. Well, that's because everyone likes you. Uh, no well, one likes me. That's nice. I'm glad to hear that. But <laughs> that honest, everyone loves the co-host. The know, co-host uh, is always the popular one. No, that's true. That that comes with the turf. You're right on that. That's why I brought you in on this podcast a few months ago over the summer. But no, um, yeah, I've got a 31 to 20. Look, I, I, I know um, optimism is on high right now, and if Mahomes isn't playing understandable but I still think the Chiefs can do some things on offense what can the Chiefs do because I think this is going to force the Chiefs to see what can they do without Mahomes and you know a lot of people have been saying why aren't the Chiefs running more well maybe Andy Reid will discover that this weekend he'll say hey look when Mahomes comes maybe we can have a balanced team maybe maybe we don't have to have Mahomes go off on every single game and we can have you know, 200, 300 yards from Mahomes, and then we can have maybe a 100-yard game from our from our running backs collectively. So I'm curious to see if he maybe has that kind of an approach for this Sunday's game. Last thing I'll ask you before we sign off, do you see the running backs having a big game? And if so, is there a running back who, on this team who you think can have the biggest game for the Chiefs? I mean, in that case, it's absolutely still Shady McCoy. Uh, I mean, he's not the Shady that he was originally in Philadelphia the first time you know, under Andy Reid, but... That's, I mean, he doesn't have to be that guy. He's still got more than enough in the tank. 
and I think that you know you'll. Uh, my guess is offensively, you're going to see kind of a more traditional West Coast style offense. I mean, the Chiefs have had a little bit of that uh, going on where you know it's very focused on horizontal spacing, but then with the you know, cannon attached to Mahomes' shoulder, they spread it deep down the field as well. I think with Moore, it's going to be a little bit more, you know, rhythm passing, you know, kind of getting uh, that traditional West Coast feel, uh, you know, kind of Bill Walsh-esque, if you will. Uh, I think that's what you're going to see, uh, kind of like what we saw out of Alex Smith, realistically, when he was here in Kansas City. I mean, to be fair, when I say that, I mean all but the last year of Alex no, Smith's I agree. tenure I, in Kansas City. I, I think we'll see that Alex Smith style of offense come back with Matt Moore so it'll be it'll be interesting for sure uh maybe the Chiefs pull through I know he gained a little bit of confidence from that Tyree kill touchdown pass so we'll see if any of that will carry over to Sunday night all right let's read a couple of texts before we hit our closing segments our first text comes from Dexter out of the 702 uh, he says, uh, if Mahomes is done, we must consider Fitzmagic. Oh, by the way, he sent this text in Thursday night. I didn't get a chance to get to this text by the time I recorded the podcast. He also wrote, um, we have to stop blaming Andy Reid for Patrick Mahomes being injured. All of the great QBs sneak for one yard. It's a freak accident. We must stop looking to burn our coach. He is wrong a lot, but not tonight. Okay, so this is in response to... Everyone lashing out on Andy Reid and wanting him out because he did ran a quarterback sneak with Mahomes because he has an ankle injury. Oh, by the way, it's not his ankle that he hurt. It was his knee, a different body part. Look, it was a freak accident. The Chiefs should not shy away from doing another quarterback sneak in the future with Mahomes. As Dexter just said, QBs do it all the time. Yeah, by the same token, if you get Anthony Sherman to take the snap and do it, I'm here for that. Uh, though... I just have to you know, quick quickly document my disagreement with the first thing that he said, which was if Mahomes was out to go get Fitzmagic or Ryan Fitzpatrick, for those of you keeping score at home, Yeah. to which I say absolutely false. He's a slightly better Matt Moore. Uh, you know, one of the things that I was you know, suggesting in this sort of a case is that, you know, go get Josh Rosen or something instead. The thing that, you know, really differentiates those two is that one has upside and, you know, is young. And you could potentially, you know, if all goes well, flip him for, you know, at least draft capital. Whereas, you know, no matter how well Moore plays, we're not getting a second round pick for the guy. It's not going to happen. The guy's 35. Same deal with Fitzpatrick. Out of the 385, Caden in Salt Lake City. Love the podcast and everything you have done. Thank you, Caden. Uh, I really think the Chiefs can win the game against the Green Bay Packers. The defense may not have been the best this season. But they have done a great job of putting the offense in a position to score. I think Matt Moore is a legitimate backup and will make the best of situations defense gives him. Go Chiefs! He finishes off his text message right there. Caden from Salt Lake City letting it be known. Uh, Zach, what do the Chiefs have to do to pull off the upset? Because to me, I, I just think it's simply... Having the same defensive performance you had last week. If you let the running backs do their thing, and if the defense can step up, which is a big if, I think then you we can talk about a potential upset. You're exactly right on that. If the defense comes to play uh, the way that they did last week, I'm not only excited for our chances to win this game, but uh, it certainly makes me bullish on our chances to really make something of this season. Not that you know I was yeah you know, low on that. Anyway, like I still think we will certainly make 
a good run of it this season, but uh, if the defense can show up this week the way they did last week against the Broncos, I'm going to be really excited. Out of the 402, Rob in Omaha, I don't know what happened, but his text came up in 10 different small text messages, but it's okay. We can still read through them. Uh, he says, now that we know the Mahomes, uh, now that we know the injury to Mahomes isn't as serious as it could have been, I think it's definitely one of the best things that hindered his ability to make huge plays. These few weeks will allow his knee and his knee and his ankle to heal, leaving us with a fully and uh, healthy, fresh Patrick Mahomes. The defense to keep playing like it did, and for Matt Moore to not lose games, just get it into the hands of all of our weapons and let them happen to us. Uh, I'm starting to wonder if these text messages are, are maybe out of order because they came in different or uh, in, in small increments. He says uh, uh, he's been playing on a bum ankle for weeks, and it's been uh, actually. You know, what? I'm going to stop the text right there. Rob, figure out what happened to your phone because this comes up in different text messages, and I think they're all coming up in different orders. So I apologize if I came off like I uh, like a guy who does not know any English. Uh, but nonetheless, I think he, I, I get what his point is. It, you know, the I guess the silver lining in this is that if Mahomes takes a couple of weeks off, and keep in mind the bye weeks, it, it's coming up soon. Um, not too soon, but it's coming up. Uh, maybe then we can see a, a fresh Mahomes come back by the time uh, he does return because he's got two injuries that he's dealing with now. Yeah, I... I... As I said before, I'd like the Chiefs to treat this with kind of an overabundance of caution because, again, we can't be thinking of this as a, you know, we, we shouldn't be thinking about this in, you know, a 10-game sort of span. With Mahomes, we're thinking about, you know, the next decade, man. Yes. Uh, so we can't afford to, you know, stunt that uh, for something this year. You just can't do it. Uh, and so really want the Chiefs to be careful there. And plus, I mean, even for this season, as long as we're able to tread water, you know, Mahomes comes back, you know, after the bye week fully rested. I still like our odds moving forward from there. So hopefully, uh, you know, the Chiefs make the right calls on that, which we know that, you know, their medical staff is one of the best in the business. I think that they will do exactly that. Yeah, Rick Burkholder, one of the best out there, as you mentioned. Uh, So hopefully uh, they just take it uh, day by day. I don't mean to bring up the whole Eric Berry thing day to day, but I think that's what you've got to do with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's your as you mentioned for the next decade. You gotta you don't you certainly don't want to break him for his career. So certainly one thing you want to be careful with. Let, let us know everything we've talked about here. Facebook.com slash Farzi Vasu again at Farzi21 at Z Stegna. And a big thanks to everyone who texted in 913-808-2119. Let's wrap this show up. Let's go to our closing segment. Let's start by going around the NFL. Man, the Indianapolis Colts, I've got to give it up to them, Zach. I know the Chiefs right now do have the number two seed if the playoffs were to start today. But I've got to say, the Colts are the second best team in the AFC, in my opinion. They beat Patrick Mahomes. They beat Deshaun Watson without Andrew Luck, by the way. In fact, I think Frank Reich just might be coach of the year at the pace he's going. Yeah, as much as I would love to disagree with you there, it's... I mean, factually, it's tough to do so. Um, I think that you know they've done a nice job of game planning to what they do best. Uh, and I mean, let's be real, Chris Ballard's a darn good GM, uh, and he's built a pretty yep. solid defense there in Indianapolis. Oh, and also, they will run the ball down your throat. 
Uh, so they kind of win in an old school fashion, which in today's NFL, surprisingly, still works. It kind of does remind me of the Alex Smith style that we were just talking about, too. So, hey, Colts are getting it done. We all, I, I said they'd be watching college football, looking for their new quarterback, but they just yeah, might didn't be... didn't age well. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, they just might be uh, up there with the Chiefs and Patriots by the time this is all over with. Uh, a team that will not be up there, the Chargers. Now, look, the, all of their games, except for one of their blowout wins have all been one possession games, but that was an insane turn of events in the final three minutes in that Tennessee game. Melvin Gordon, he got paid, but man, he is not worth the contract he got because he fumbled going into, trying to go into the end zone. Tennessee recovered it, and next thing you know, the Chargers are the worst team in the AFC West right now. By the way, their net points this year, minus one, so it shows you they've been involved in a lot of close games. It's not like they're getting killed or they're blowing out opposing teams. Uh, in fact, they're winning against the Colts, barely getting that in overtime. They're losing a lot of close games. Again, as I mentioned, every game except for one has been a one-possession game this year for the, for the Chargers. Do you think they're a team that could surge? Because, again, it's not like they're getting blown out. I could see a surge possibility. Do you see it? No, not a bit. I don't believe in Phillip Rivers, and that hasn't changed. So I think that you know, so long as he's their quarterback, which he will certainly be for the foreseeable future uh they're going to continue to lose games like this that's just my opinion we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier cornerbacks making an impact in their first game with new teams jalen ramsey forced to fumble with the rams marcus peters former chief got a pick six against a guy who a lot of people are calling the mvp of the first half of the season so far we're almost at the halfway point uh, the Chiefs will have played half of their games by the time Sunday night's over with. Uh, and I'm referring to Russell Wilson, by the way. Zach, would you agree that Russell Wilson is the MVP? And given that Mahomes might be out for a little bit, do you think he's going to keep that title for 2019? Uh, up until this past week, I would have said Deshaun Watson. But, yeah, I think that you know Russell Wilson certainly, uh, I mean, him or Christian McCaffrey, maybe. I can't think of too many others who might be deserving of that title, so... Yeah, I'd hand that to Wilson for sure. So Frank Reich, Frank Reich, we agree, probably coach of the year at the halfway point, and Russell Wilson, and, and yeah, I think you make a good point about McCaffrey, but yeah, those are a couple of guys that I, I think unexpectedly have been doing well. And look, I don't think Russell Wilson is terrible by any means, and we're not saying oh, that, but absolutely I, not. We we thought uh, someone else was gonna have a dominant season, and Mahomes has been great, but. Lately not, and the injury certainly going to set him back, statistically speaking, so it makes it hard to win the MVP that way. So uh, We think uh, Frank Reich and Russell Wilson will keep those uh, midway awards. Do we agree on that? Uh, I mean, you're seeing it through to the end of the year. Yeah, I guess if the Patriots have... stay unbeaten, I think it could go to Belichick. That's the only nah. thing I'll say. I mean, maybe, but I think that you know, they have the sort of thing going where, like, you know, it comes down to kind of the way that it, you know, Kansas is in the Big 12, where Bill Self could you know, be in the contention for Coach of the Year almost every single year, and he doesn't win it every single year because they like to move it around. Same thing goes for Belichick, where it's like, all right, yeah, we've had about enough of you just winning and winning and winning some more, so we're going to not much. give you Coach of the Year. Like I think that's really what's going on there, and I think it's okay. Let's keep going and go out of bounds.
Alright, look, I've said it before, I'm not a big baseball guy, but... I did see the end of the ALCS where uh, the Yankees tied it up with a two-run home run on the top of the ninth, and then the Astros with an epic walk-off home run over the Yankees uh, to move on to the World Series. Uh, have you paid attention to the baseball playoffs much? And if so, uh, is there anything you've enjoyed so far? I mean, I haven't paid too too much attention to it. I know that, you know, again, being here in New York, one of my roommates is a pretty big Yankees fan. So, yeah, I watched bits and pieces of some of the games. Uh, yeah in and out here in the apartment so i mean to be honest i just found it hard to care i mean the astros it's like ah oh, yeah that normally you'd root for them because it's not the yankees what, what was the mood out. like how somber was it in new york after that alcs i mean i didn't really notice any difference so no i mean new york I guess city it was fine well there yeah, you go i mean really that is new york city like it, i mean when it's something like the yankees especially like it's not like it was in Kansas City when we were in the World Series where people were just captivated because it was a novel thing. With the Yankees, it's kind of old hat. Like, they're kind of used to this. So it's not nearly as exciting as, you know, it was in Kansas City when we did it. Uh, and I think, the, you know, they've just gotten so accustomed to it that, like, I think that the only thing that would really get this town totally whipped into a frenzy the way Kansas City was is if the Knicks somehow came out and just absolutely dominated. But that's not going to happen with their current owner, so that's a separate discussion. Well, I think the Yankees' whole thing not, I guess them not being upset, could be because they're all bandwagon fans, but that's a topic for another time. Uh, This is a very interesting topic. A high school girls soccer team in Vermont, they received multiple yellow cards for its protest as their custom jerseys that they revealed, hashtag equal pay, and this is of course in reference to the U.S. women's national team, who have been way better than the men's, they scored a goal uh, on Friday night, and several members of the Burlington High School girls team took off their jerseys, and uh, they revealed their custom jerseys underneath that had equal pay on it. Now look, they got a yellow card because of... Um, the fact they took off their jerseys, which you cannot do in celebration. I know a lot of the media headlines are kind of making it seem like they just penalize them just because they're protesting, which is not the case. Um, but listen, I can respect what they're doing because this is something that, you know, our U.S. Women's National Team definitely deserves to to, to get paid more. Uh, I think they the men's team, they make more money in one game than the women's team does in the entire season that they go through uh definitely need to see a change there and i'm glad to see other people are stepping up and it's getting some sort of coverage for it 100 percent, and good for the team for you know being willing to take that sort of a stand and pay attention to those sorts of things because to be honest like you know when i was in high school i didn't pay attention to you know important societal issues so good for them no i i, I that's one of the things i wish in high school i did a better job of but i think social media helps uh, social media wasn't as big at the time when I was in when we were both in high school, but no, definitely good for them. I agree with you. Uh, never thought of it from uh, from that uh, perspective either. By the way, fans started chanting "equal pay," pretty cool, and um, got a lot of attention. And I'm sure it got the attention of some of the uh, women on the uh, national team. By the way, do you know what is back, Zach? I do know what is back, Fars, and I'm pretty excited for it. Yes, KUMU in basketball is back. Man, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, I love it. Listen, I know a lot of people are wondering why is it just uh, basketball and not football. I think Jeff Long and whoever Missouri's athletic director is, they were on Sports Radio 810 with Jason Anderson, and I, I they brought up that 
of football, the rival, uh, the football uh, scheduling could even come back soon. So this whole thing could be coming back. And by the way, I've got to take credit for this because I said years ago, especially when they had their exhibition game at the Sprint Center, they got to do it at the Sprint Center, then Lawrence, then Columbia, and then alternate, do it again. They're kind of doing it in that order. They're going to start at the Sprint Center next year. But it's going to be a few years before they go back to the Sprint Center. But nonetheless, uh, they do have a cycle. It's not an organized cycle, but they're doing what I had asked for years ago. And I'm glad they're doing it because everyone deserves this. Yeah, it's it's good to see it back. And I look forward to seeing the, uh, you know, the football border war take its place back in Arrowhead as well. Uh, it's just, you know, it's good for the area uh, and... Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty excited for the fact that KU is about to go six and zero through that little uh, slate of basketball. Oh, games the there, shots! So. Yeah, no, come at me. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, uh, yeah. It's okay. They can I, they I'm can not, come I'm at us stand during football season. Sure. Um, I mean, n- anymore. I'm not sure about that either. So I'm feeling pretty good. About oh it. man, uh, you know I've. Uh, I know uh, for one year it was competitive in 20, uh, 2007 uh, when they were both fighting for the number one uh, ranking in the nation when yeah, they both played at Arrowhead. When we actually beat them. Yeah. Well, no, 2007 rather. 2007 we... they beat us and we went to the Orange Bowl anyway because the beast yeah, is that, silly. Which, look, I'll admit even as a KU fan I think that's crazy, but I'll take it. Totally um, agree. No, I, 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 that's awesome. I'm glad this is happening. And listen, anyone who says, oh, who cares? I don't care about this school anymore. It's like, look, come on. You're not – like, MU fans keep saying KU fans care too much about MU. And KU fans will say the same things about MU. Yet, we all know anytime there's bad news – like, for example, KU right now with the investigation, of course MU fans are going to rub that in when they can. Uh, I'm yeah. glad it's back, man. That's why Same it's way a that rivalry. KU fans rubbed it in when Mizzou tried to fit in with their brethren in the SEC by being racists. Like, you know, we we love to hate each other and we miss having that. And now we have it back. Well, it's it's awesome, man. It's to me this is the biggest story in 2019 in in Kansas City sports behind the AFC Championship which was in January of 2019. But this is very close. I know the NFL always dominates headlines, but Boy, this is huge for the Midwest, essentially, because there are a lot of KU and MU fans. And look, I know KU and K-State have had kind of a rivalry here, but it's not the yeah. same as KU-MU. It's, it's just not. No, it's it's really not. And that's because, you know, the way that I described it, I was explaining this to one of my roommates here because they were asking about, like, all right, so why is this such a big deal? And, you know, the way I likened it was that, you know, with KU and Missouri, like, it, both teams absolutely hate each other, but they're smart about it. You know, if you had to, the, the way I describe the local rivalries is like this, and I'm going to catch some heat for this, so bear with me. You know, if you gave, uh, if you distilled it down to where you gave each of the local three teams, so being KUK State and Missouri, one chant, if they could only select one for from now to the rest of time, KU would choose their Rock Chalk chant. Mizzou would probably choose that M-I-Z-Z-O-U thing that they chant back and forth across the stadium, and K-State would choose F-K-U. That's <laughs> the way I look at it. So it's not the same rivalry-wise. Like, you know, they just love to hate us more than they respect themselves. And that is that is truly my opinion. You're welcome to come and convince me otherwise. I'm here for the that smoke because I know it's coming. But, I mean... Prove me wrong. They chant FKU at games when KU's not No, even they playing. do. You're right. You're Routinely. Right. 
And so, oh man, I mean, that's just the way I look at it. So, you know, Bazoo is back filling the uh, you know the true rival role that we have lacked. No, uh, they're absolutely. And look, I was there at the Sprint Center when they had that exhibition game. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that? Because uh, I know it oh, was absolutely. only available online. Oh, were you yeah. there? No, I just went and oh. hunted down the uh, yeah. I, I hunted down access yeah. to that feed. Man. A, a like, lot of people, on. I'm sure, it's did it that Mizzou way. It's for the first time. I mean, you're talking the exhibition game when it was the actual players, right? Not this past summer where it was the Co- former players. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I was that there, was the man. First time for yeah, first time in how long? Like that was so exciting. Uh, that place was loud. I mean, it was really, really loud. KU fans were into it. MU fans were, in it, and it was a good game too. So I'm glad it's coming back, man. KUMU is back. All right, let's move on and throw our penalty flags. Uh, oh boy. Uh, Boomer Sooner, not so much. Uh, so Oklahoma's Sooner Schooner, I did not know that's what they schooner. called it. Schooner. Schooner, my bad. Uh, they got a little crazy on Saturday. The Sooner's wagon tipped over while racing around the field after a touchdown. No injuries, but Peter got involved. And look, I get what they stand for and all, but, uh, they sent a tweet. Uh, saying, um, exploiting animals for sports is unnecessary and incredibly dangerous for animals and humans. Tagging at OU underscore football in capital letters, keep horses off the field. I can only imagine what they say about war paint. Does anyone want to tell them that the horses had no issue here? The wagon tipped over and the horses just kept on running? The horses were okay. Yeah, like the horses had zero issue. Like, uh, I don't see wagon rights activists getting all bent out of shape. Come on now. <laughs> is there such thing as wagon rights I activists? I sincerely hope not, but by the same token, this is 2019, so nothing surprises me anymore. Anyway. I suppose. Um, wagon rights activists. That's a good one. Sorry. Yeah, look, listen, I, I, P- PETA, I get what PETA's all about. PETA even went off when, you know, the gorilla that was famously named Harambe. You know, they shot him because they didn't want the baby to be hurt. Look, nothing Which, happened at the end of the day. Yeah, sure, it could have been worse, but it wasn't. It's kind of like the NFL banning pyrotechnics and all, which is silly because of one dumb incident. Come on. It's like, choose your battles. I mean, there are worse things happening out there. Uh, you remember Greg Hardy? Former Dallas Cowboy Greg Hardy? Uh... Yeah, former Panther, too, and, you know, pretty well-known woman beater. Yeah, uh, he is in the UFC now, and he's had kind of a controversial career. So he won on... I mean, makes sense, given his Yeah, path. exactly. Uh, he won on Friday night in Boston. he's good at hitting stuff. Yeah, there, there you go. He won on Friday night uh, when the UFC was in Boston, and... He was fighting a guy who made his UFC debut. So, and by the way, Greg Hardy, massive dude. This guy looks like he could seriously compete with some of the contenders in the heavyweight division. But uh, something happened in between the second and third round where he used an inhaler. And by the way, he's coached by Dean Thomas, one of the greatest coaches in the UFC today. So apparently they asked the uh, Massachusetts State Athletic Commission if the inhaler can be used. You cannot use an inhaler. Uh, in fact, you cannot even have sports drinks because of the sugar usage. It, weird rule, but rules are rules. So the fact that Greg Hardy even needed his inhaler was weird. 
the win was taken away from him, overturned to a no contest. I mean, this is kind of obvious. I get the commission said yes, which is even weirder, but when you've got one of the biggest coaching staffs out there, you should know that you don't need an inhaler in between rounds. Yeah, I mean, to be not as someone who doesn't pay tons of attention there, like I, I just don't understand why you would bring your inhaler with you. Like I'm just picturing you know, like you know, when you see an inhaler, like you always think of like the kid in the cartoons where it's like, yeah, I have asthma, guys. Come on, like be nice. And then you picture Greg Hardy in UFC, but still sounding like that. That's just that's just kind of how I pictured it. You know, he was kind of gassed out in that fight, which is weird. But still was doing way better than his opponent. So um, maybe that's why he needed the inhaler. But again, it's against the rules. And it's weird that his own corner did not know that. Because he does have a very notable coaching staff. Uh, very yeah, weird He could also just be taking whatever that Bane stuff is to just juice him up. So yeah, I supposedly. can understand why they banned the inhaler. Uh, look, I'm just throwing a flag because I hate this team for just letting the Patriots win the Super Bowl a few years ago. But the Atlanta Falcons, you know what, man? Uh, yeah, I'm convinced that the Atlanta Falcons secretly work for the Patriots. When the Patriots just need like a pick-me-up or something, just look to the Falcons. They handed the Patriots a Super Bowl after holding a 28-3 lead. You refused to win that game. Now you're giving them Mohamed Sanu. For a second round pick. And look, I get it. I guess the Patriots paid a big price for him. But you are just giving... Why are you helping the Patriots at the end of the day? It's like, why would any team help the best team in the NFL? Again, I get it's a second round pick. But my God, do you have to help the best team in the NFL over and over and over again? Well, I mean, think about it. Who's the GM in Atlanta? Spoiler alert. It's Scott is Well, no, it's Thomas Dimitrov. But oh no, I'm Pioli sorry, Scott Pioli stepped down. You're right, yeah. you're right. But yeah, the the premise still holds though, because where was Dimitrov? I think that's how you say his name. Maybe it's Dimitrov. Regardless, no, where you're was right. His last NFL gig, Patriots. He was with the Patriots from 2002 to 2007, and was with Belichick before that in Cleveland. So I'm not going to say it's a coincidence. I remember. The same year when the Chiefs traded, or not the Chiefs, uh, the Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers. There was a game Garoppolo started, and the team he beat helped the Patriots clinch the AFC East. So it's like all these things just come together full circle for the Patriots. Imagine that. Uh, All right, before we sign off here, uh, we are going to do our hot take segment. Our hot take of the week. I know we don't do them every week since the season's gotten underway. Well, we're going to do them now, uh, especially since next week we're going to be pretty busy with uh, a guest, maybe two guests. Uh, basically what a hot take is, you have an opinion in which you think one way and everyone else is in, they're going in a different direction. You are going against the grain. You are going against conventional wisdom. Maybe you've got a controversial hot take. Maybe you've got uh, a popular hot take, maybe. That is possible as well. But nonetheless, it is certainly an opinion that goes against conventional wisdom. So, for example, saying that you hate traffic or you hate going to the doctor's office, those aren't hot takes. Donald Trump is the best president ever. Not a hot take. A lot of people think he's the best president ever. Donald Trump is the worst president ever. Not a hot take. A lot of people also think he's the worst president ever. You could say Donald Trump is a mediocre president. That'd be kind of a lukewarm take, not an exciting hot take by any means. Uh, Michael Jordan is overrated. That is a hot take. LeBron James is not a top five NBA player in NBA history. That's a hot take. 
So we've established what a hot take is. Uh, and I know usually we uh, we go to you guys on Twitter sometimes, and I know we haven't because of the inconsistency for these closing segments, but we'll uh, we'll get back into that at some point. Uh, Zach, do you have a hot take for this week? I do. All right, what is the theme of your hot take? So it, it actually is vaguely reminiscent of one that I've pulled out before, but I think I've got a real you know reason to back it up this time, so I'm going to try it again. Well, what is the subject? Uh, it's football related, but it's college football related. Okay, all of your hot takes have been sports. I know Zach Steginga. I know that Zach does have opinions outside the sports world. Sometime before the end of the year, you've got to have a yeah, non-sports hot just take. Aren't, they're just not as hot with you know, outside of sports. Like, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I tend to see both sides of more issues when it comes to not sports stuff. Sports stuff, you know, I'm willing to just dive out on that limb. Uh, and go nuts. So, all right, fair know, enough. That's probably why. Uh, mine is movie related. Uh, I will go to you first. What is your hot take? So, my hot take is that coming into yeah, we've got yeah four games you know from here until when we play Baylor at the end of the year. I think Kansas, when it comes to playing Baylor at the end of the year, is playing for bowl eligibility. I think we're about to rip off three straight wins. Hot take. What's we've KU's record right now? Week, two and three. Two and. Oh, uh, like two and five. We should have oh, beat Texas oh. this past week. Like that was that was a one know, point. That was heartbreaking. Crazy uh, game. Uh, lots of fun though. Uh, but you know, Les has got this team competing in the way that the offense has looked, especially against Texas. Now that we've got the new OC in place, like I, I'm genuinely optimistic for our chances against Texas Tech this week, uh, and then Kansas State and Oklahoma State. Uh, I mean, I was optimistic for our chances against Kansas State for a while now just because i know les miles has had that game circled since he came in like you can bet on that i mean this is the same les miles that had the ou game circled when he first came in at oklahoma state and made it happen so i'm optimistic we'll see what happens but i know i said that we were going to rip off five straight wins to start the season and i think if we had had this offensive coordinator we very well could have but you know it didn't work out that way so we'll see what happens all right there you have it that is your heart hot take that is Zach's hot take for this week. My hot take this week, as I mentioned, movie related. Zach, have you seen the Joker movie yet? I haven't. It's on my list. Okay, no spoilers for those who haven't seen it. Um, hot take: there is nothing controversial or nothing wrong with the Joker movie. Hot take. Everyone has been going crazy about this. At least it, this was during the first weekend, and I know this is our, my first chance to really elaborate on this and all, but I talked about this on Facebook and Twitter. It's like, it's a villain movie. It's a, it's a, it's a movie where the main character, the protagonist, is a villain. So you're going to see, unless you've never seen the Batman, any of the Batman stories, or never read any of the comics, or, or, or if you have no familiarity with the Batman story whatsoever, I suppose you'd be confused by this. I mean, this is a movie where it's the villain who who is in charge here. Have you seen Venom? No, I need to see that too. There's a lot of movies that I've been meaning to see, and I just Venom, haven't. Venom was interesting. I thought it was good, not as good as the Joker, uh, listen, man. At the end of the day, you're gonna see these villains do bad things, and that, and in some weird way, they're gonna twist the story to make you want to get behind them. Now, there were some—I don't want to say disturbing, but there were just some 
I, I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say scary either, but there were just some oh my god moments in this Joker movie. And again, it wasn't anything controversial. It's a villain doing villainous things. Shocker, but that's uh that's what that, what you would expect for for a villain to do. Um, it kind of had a very interesting story too. Uh, have you? Uh, I have not seen the other Joker movie. Have you seen the other Joker movie? Where they like did like the Suicide Squad or whatever with Jared Leto? Is that the one you're referencing here? Uh, that might be it. I, I I'm not sure. But a lot of people were talking about how there was another Joker movie that I'll be honest, I did not know about. I've never seen it. I'd be interested in seeing it. This was kind of an interesting one. You've seen some of the Batman movies, right? Oh, of course. So I this mean, was. You'll still, you know, I think it's a very healthy debate between which Joker is the best, the Heath Ledger one or the Jack Nicholson one. I mean, they were both yeah. amazing just in completely different ways. Listen, here's my thing at the end of the day. I mean, we have movie reviews online. I suppose a little bit of research, you know, do your due diligence. By the way, part of the reason this movie has been catching a little bit of flack at some point, and again, no spoiler. In fact, I honestly thought this was random. They played Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2, where he's just kind of dancing around and being acting like a villain, and they're playing that song from Gary Glitter, and a lot of people are saying, why are you playing a Gary Glitter, Glitter song when uh, he had all these rape incidents that occurred? And listen, we've talked about it before on this podcast with the Chiefs and how they've used the song. Um, of course a villain would dance to that then. Well, yeah, there you. I suppose that's an interesting angle to look at it from. But listen, there was. I went into this movie wondering, am I really going to be offended, or is it just overreaction? And I left the theater kind of offended that I was not offended. Like I wanted to be offended because I was hoping, I was hope, I was going to give people the benefit of the doubt that there was something terrible in this movie, and there wasn't. I think people just need to relax. It's pop culture. It's movies. It's a movie about a villain. For the hundredth time now I'm saying that. Some people just need to relax, man. I, I do really question, I know we've had conversations similar to this, but I do kind of question what people's priorities are when they complain about this kind of stuff. Hey man, I just want to be mad and have you validate that I'm mad because I felt like being mad. <laughs> but like, that is our society in 2019 now. People just want to say something outrageous and pretend to be outraged. I mean, I, I can't even... I don't even know what I was talking about with someone on Twitter, but something about people being outraged for no reason. It's just, I, I feel like there are more conversations now about people just being outraged for no reason. Why? Yeah. I don't I don't know. And and I think that, you know, it's diluted the meaning of the term outrage. I mean, if you really think about it, like, you know, people are now getting outraged over mild inconveniences because that's just the world we live in today. Go uh... We might get outraged on uh, Sunday night. You just never know sometimes how Chiefs fans react to certain things. We'll see how that goes. And by the way, Zach, by the time this game is over, I mentioned earlier, we're halfway through the season. Hard to believe. Well, I mean, halfway through the season with a winning record, so I can't complain about that. Currently have the number two seed in the AFC, so we'll see how that all pans out. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzim Vasugin. He is Zach Senga. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vasugin. Join us for the Facebook Live videos at halftime and after the game. At Farzim21 on Twitter. At Z Stegginga on Twitter. 913-808-2119. The text line. Appreciate all of you guys who texted into the podcast. Appreciate everyone who's been interacting on Facebook and Twitter. Greatly appreciate all of you guys who have done that. Follow me. Follow Zach. 
Subscribe to the podcast, share the link, spread the word. I appreciate everyone who has been doing that throughout the season, before the season. Uh, anytime you guys have been listening, greatly appreciate everyone who's been spreading the word about the podcast and letting Chiefs fans know about this podcast. The very first Chiefs podcast to hit the interwebs. Join us after the game. I will be going solo. We will do our recap podcast late Sunday night, early Monday morning. Should be available. So join us for that. Maybe we'll recap a Chiefs win, unexpected win. But nonetheless, join us then. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy all the football action. Talk to you on Monday.